You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most visionary humans on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Today, I am sitting down with someone I met on an impromptu trip to Los Angeles one year ago, and his name is Jason Brown. Jason is the visionary entrepreneur behind a brand new tech startup for kids and parents called Drip Drop. And he's also the founder of an investment company called Misfits Global, where the vision is to invest in hundreds of startups in the coming years. In addition to learning more about Jason's most recent project, Drip Drop, we are also chatting about Jason's previous chapters, including his time working for one of the hottest tech startups, chasing elite status, and doing all the things you think you should do in that world. But ultimately, Jason realized that it wasn't fully fulfilling him, and he knew something was missing. Fast forward to today, and Jason is almost unrecognizable from who he was a decade ago. We talk about this sharp contrast inside of the episode, and I know you are going to love it. In this conversation, he shares openly about why he says yes to things that scare the hell out of him, the role that journaling, meditation, psilocybin, and breathwork have played in his entrepreneurial journey, ways to identify your inner programming, and also how to deprogram what doesn't belong to you or just doesn't serve you anymore, and so, so much more. Jason offers a lot of interesting perspectives in this episode, and I cannot wait to hear your takeaways. You might even want to bookmark this one so that you can listen twice. I'll also share three of my favorite takeaways on the other side of the conversation, so make sure you tune in right until the end. And one last thing before we jump in, I learned in this episode, as you'll hear us talk about, that both Drip Drop and the Visionary Life brand started in very similar situations while we were hiking in the mountains. That might just be my next piece of wisdom for anyone who wants to start a business or to grow their next business, but has no clue where to begin. Just go to the mountains and it will come to you. (laughs) If you want to learn more about Drip Drop, just head to dripdrop.gg. Yes, that's a .gg at the end. Or you can find them on Insta or TikTok. And if you'd like to connect with Jason, he's incredible. He's most active on Twitter and on Clubhouse. And you can find him at the Jason Brown. So enjoy this episode and I will see you on the other side. Jason Brown, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. Uh, I actually want to start this conversation by rewinding back maybe three months ago when I first asked you to come on the podcast. And your response was something (laughs) along the lines of, it scares the hell out of me, which means I need to do it. I'm curious, is this your approach to everything that scares the hell out of you? Is this your operating system for any big decision or small decision in life? Where did that come from? I would like to tell you that the answer is yes, and it's a resounding no, is that usually when something scares me, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a massive avoidant at it. Um, but I think it's a skill. I think it's a skill to like break through the fear um, and to kind of laugh at your own programming. So I, you know, I'm constantly thinking about what's my default program, right? And my default program, I think like a lot of us, it used to always be like, hmm, you know, how do I evaluate this, right? And, you, and you, we're so programmed to think about the fear side of it, what could go wrong, oh my God, that's out of my comfort zone, et cetera. Um, and you start thinking about, okay, if that's my default programming, what's the reverse of that? And so one of my things that I've been trying to focus on, even as a 48-year-old, is to start thinking about, hey, instead of thinking about how it can't work, how about what is the promise if it does work? 
And so when you start saying things like, hey, come do this thing that I naturally don't do all the time or sounds a little scary, it's like, hmm, if you feel that, if, you, if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, that feels a little like a big no, it probably means it should be a yes because it's mm. like right there, that's where the growth is going to be. Um, yeah. And so when you said that to me, I just started laughing at myself because my natural reaction was no way am I doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was another ping where it was like, yeah, dude, that's going to be awesome. You should totally do it. Mm-hmm. I really like that idea of challenging ourselves to flip the narrative because I think, mm-hmm. like you said, our default programming is always to say, I'm not good at basketball. I could yeah. never be an entrepreneur. But it's like if you can get in this mentality of saying, I could be good at basketball if I practiced or um, anyone can become an entrepreneur if they are dedicated and passionate. Mm -hmm. And it's like, where are all these places in our lives that we're actually letting our default programming hold us back from our limitless potential? And I think the answer is in a lot of freaking areas. So I think that's really interesting to um, catch yourself in those moments, but it actually takes so much self-awareness and self-work to be able to even notice those thoughts that are holding you back, right? Yeah, and it was funny because when I was texting you, I was laughing to myself because I had that awareness of like, hey, normally you'd be like, no way am I going to go do that and put myself out there because there's risk, right? But really what I was already laughing about was I'm totally going to go do it um, because I've been making choices to say, hey, this isn't your programming, right? Like what programs do you already run in your life? I call them loops. But it's like, what are those loops that came from your family, your upbringing, your current environment, all the ways that you've just kind of been um, automatically running your life. And because I've been doing so much work on identifying them and then doing reprogramming, um, the first step is kind of that awareness. And for me, it's like having, I'm in this stage now where I kind of laugh when they, when they come up. So when I have one of those moments where like, ooh, that sounds riskier, ooh, that sounds fearful, or oh, you're not supposed to do it that way. Um, my default action now is to break it with humor so that you can analyze what, okay, what do you really want to do here? Why is there some fear there? Um, and I also realize, you know, talking to so many other entrepreneurs or just, you know, even when you listen to some of the really high powered people that are really killing it out there and any athletes or, you know, some of the celebrities, whatever, when you, when you really break it down, there's something that they always keep saying, which is like the fear doesn't go away. Hmm. Right. It's just something that it's just part of the process. And I start realizing like, huh, like what else do you have fear over? That's just your default programming that you can still embrace and honor and kind of laugh about and choose a different action, right? Because fear isn't an action, right? For me, it's like you can still have fear over doing something, fear of the unknown, fear of, you know, what if it works um, and still actually go through and when you get over that, you start realizing, huh, okay, now you just start accepting it. You're like, oh, okay, I expect the fear to come up because that's a program that's always just kind of there. And you can kind of honor it, hang out with it a little bit and be like, yeah, all right, cool. Of course you're here, but that's not the path I'm choosing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go try this other thing instead. So when you say you're doing work to identify your default programming, yeah, is there anything you can share with the listeners of like what you're actually doing? Like I, I get that you kind of, you just recognize in a moment, oh, that's my default programming. Uh, you giggle and then try to change it. But has there been anything that has worked in helping you to accelerate this process, tools or just tricks that you've applied? Yeah, definitely. Um, one is just the self-analyzation of like, what are all the things that over time, you know, when you do your journaling, when you do your um, morning routines, when you're reflecting on, you know, past notes right now is the perfect time because it's just past New Year's, right? Everyone's doing their, you know, what am I going to do for 2021? Um, and when you look at those, it's like, what are those patterns that keep coming up of things that you really actually desire and things that you wish that you went to do? And then you start peeling back and looking at, huh, I keep saying I want these things in my life. I keep saying I want to attract these things. I keep thinking I have the capability or the desire to go do it. And if I could dream it, why am I not doing it? And so I started really asking myself that question. It's like, wow, you have all these incredible ideas. You could go help so many people. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's holding you back? And you dig into it and you dig into it. And you start realizing that it's almost always some program that you're running. And then you're asking, how am I doing the work? Well, I'm involved with so many other um, entrepreneurs right through like masterminds, you know, like, like how we, how we met, right. It's like, 
you meet other people on different journeys, but they're all on the journey of trying to create, you know, a better life for themselves through entrepreneurship and for others. And you realize they're all running programs too. It's like, um, once you start paying attention to it, for me, it's like, a, it's like a dog whistle. It's like, you can just see it. Right. And you can see where people are holding on to uh, limiting beliefs, um, or they have this amazing desire to go do something epic and then they get lost right in, you know, on the first few steps cause they don't know how, um, or some program kicks in. Um, and then the other big thing that I started doing was doing inner work. And I know that sounds woo woo. Um, but I've totally embraced it and kind of embraced my hippie capitalist self. And it's like, you can have both sides. You can still want to be in innovation and tech and entrepreneurship, but you can still work on yourself. And, um, I would say the biggest thing that changed that was doing breath work and really getting into like your body. Because what I noticed is the more breath work I do, um, it actually gets my conscious brain out of the way. And when it gets your thinking brain out of the way, all that fear goes away too. So that your natural programs move aside for a little bit and you get all these magical downloads. And so for me, it's like those downloads really guide um, and give you awareness of like, Hey, what keeps coming up here? And when I follow those things or put them into action, magical things just start to happen. And it's incredible. It's like, once you get your own programs out of the way, you realize that they're not yours. Right. And that you can um, start removing them one by one. Is the ultimate destination then, um, in your opinion, to get to a point where you are completely deprogrammed so that you can tap into your limitless potential and become the visionary entrepreneur and the free thinker that you want to be? Like, is that where you're headed? Where you want yes. to go? Yes, absolutely. Because what I, what I think I've realized, um, especially the last couple of years and especially in 2020, is that the game of life is an internal game. And it's like we play it externally with all these other um, things that we're chasing, but it's really internal. Um, and the more that you focus on how you react to things, what is your programming? Mm-hmm. Um, the more you can make peace with all the other things that are happening externally. And, you know, like I've done those things, you know, I've chased all those things that you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. you know, get the house with the picket fence drive the Porsche, travel the world, you know, be successful, get into the 1%, like all those things that we think that, you know, how you keep score. And I realized that, you know, all the other people that are also chasing those things, there always seems to be something missing. Yeah. And I recognize with myself, you know, as you start knocking off those things that you think matter on your list and everyone can have their own list. But for me, it's like, you know, I, I chased a lot of things and it was, it was fun. You know, it's fun, fun going after those. But then when you get there, you realize, huh, this doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel fully fulfilled. And what I realized is like, you can chase all those things and you can have a great time doing it, but the fulfillment comes from internally. Mm-hmm. And that's where the programming comes from. And so it's like rewiring your programming to be like, Hmm, you know, can I choose my own self first versus mm-hmm. external validation? Um, and so that's something I've been working on. It's like, huh, okay. What are the programs that I run? and cherish them, honor them. Uh, I quite often laugh at them because you'll mm-hmm. see them in others, but where I really see them is in my own family and friends too, right? You see them running the same one that you're running. Um, and so instead of getting frustrated by those, I used to get always frustrated by other people's programs saying like, don't you see, don't you see? <laughs> and I realized like you can actually embrace and love other people's programs and chuckle at your own and then have the honor to be the one that gets to cut it, right? So instead of being frustrated that your parents handed you certain loops or that you absorbed them as you were growing up, you can be like, hey, I'm finally the one that has the skills or the awareness yeah. to, cut it, to cut it forever. Um, and so I really flipped the, flipped the narrative on it from it being like a, a negative frustration to now it's more amusement and humor when they come up. Um, and then having honor, the honor to actually cut them so that um, – you know, they don't last and I don't pass them on to like my son or that I don't keep running them myself. Mm-hmm. Don't you think it's just easier for most people, though, to go through life kind of feeling numb, not becoming self-aware, not needing to do the work like breath yeah. work and self-love so that they don't have to go through this tumultuous journey of learning more about themselves and spending yeah. time with themselves because 
you know, if I can just keep myself busy, I don't have to pay attention to whether I'm happy or not, whether I'm programmed in a way that is a positive Mm -hmm. um, impact on my life. Like, I think that's kind of what we're facing at this point is a lot of people, they don't want to wake up or become unnumb or do the work because then you're faced with the reality of what is in your world. And that can be a really hard thing to stare at in the face and go, I don't like where I live. I don't like the job I have. I hate myself. I can't even like, you know, like think of who I really am because I've been programmed by my friends and my, Mm -hmm. you know, terrible partner. So um, gosh, yeah, I, I, that's not a question. It's just, I think that is the state of our world right now. We hear so much external noise, but yet, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, it's an internal journey, uh, that a lot of people, um, maybe just aren't willing to take. Do you feel like you had to take that journey before you launched your business drip drop? Cause you were kind of in the corporate world doing the I traditional yeah. path for what? 20 years, 25 years. I was, Yeah. 20 years. And, you know, doing all the things you're, you know, you're supposed to do. It's like, you know, you try to get, you know, into an elite status, you know, mm-hmm. chasing all those things. And I was, I was, I was working for one of the hottest startups uh, in the world. You know, we went on a crazy journey and, you know, in Silicon Valley speak, you know, you're always trying to create a unicorn company and we were a unicorn many times over. So it was, a, it was a wild, wild ride. Um, but it still didn't feel fully fulfilling. Like I never still really felt like they were my people. Like I still have a lot of, you know, kind of, I call them brothers and sisters there that I love. Uh, and it was an incredible journey, but it's still, something was missing. Yeah. And I think one of the things 2020 showed us, and it's something that I was feeling well before that, um, it's this like, this drumbeat of, I can be more, I can do more, something's missing. And I know there's probably people listening right now that that, that drumbeat is getting louder. And in 2020, by putting so many things on pause, it kind of put everything on the table to allow us to kind of evaluate what, hey, I actually don't, now that part of my life is shut off, huh, do I miss it? Do I love it? Do I want, do I want to turn that part back on? So I think it's actually a beautiful time to do that analysis. But I got to tell you, it's also, it can be scary um, when you start to realize, when you start knocking down your programs, it's like when you remove the ones that are your default, when you remove the ones that aren't serving you fully, which ones do you want to replace them with? And that is fascinating. And so, you know, I've traveled the world a lot. I've been over 40 something countries. And it's like, you know, people often say like, when you travel, you find yourself. Yeah. And I totally did. And all those, all those places, amazing, incredible things that I learned. I have friends all over the world. But I'll tell you this past year of really diving into what programs do you want to run? Who do you want to be? What do you want to stand for? Um, that's been a more incredible kind of world journey in a way, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like when you replace your programs and you're removing some of the default, it's like, what are you going to choose? And and who do you go for? Who do you go to for that, for guidance and things like that? Um, and that's where things like, you know, breath work and plant medicine and meditation and being in some masterminds and being around other people that are, also on that same path of like, hey, there's something different here. There's a different way that we can program our lives. Um, but there's still that, you know, that it's, it's still scary. It's amazing that I can be 48 years old and being like, huh, okay, I have a lot of freedom. Now I have freedom to choose. I've removed some programs. Which ones do you want to start up? Um, and it's amazing. And you're right. So to, you know, long-winded answer to get back to mm-hmm. one, of, one of the things I realized is that I was living other people's dreams, right? And so we took an incredible idea and we made it wildly successful on any way that you would keep score on, you know, typical Silicon Valley success. Mm-hmm. But I recognized that wasn't my dream. I was helping other people meet theirs. And so that drum beat got louder and louder, you know, and I looked at over 40 startups, whether to invest in or help in. And then there was just one that just, you know, the noise wouldn't go away. And that was one to work on with my son and my, you know, and to, to improve our lives. And that was the one because it, it, it wasn't about the financial side of it. It wasn't about the, you know, hot Silicon Valley startup side of it. Um, it was, oh, wow. Like this one you can do because you think it matters. And it's like your dream and you get to do it with your own um, family, mm-hmm. right? Starting there. So like that, that felt like a really good nudge, a really good program to run. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people go chasing something to go do because it could be a hot sector or it sounds good or they can make some quick money. 
And I've noticed myself every time I go chase those things, even if you win from a financial perspective, yeah. it doesn't feel like a full fulfilling win. Mm-hmm. Versus now I can tell you in the past year, working with some epic people to bring drip drop to life, the, the goosebumps, those bliss moments, um, our good friend that we both love, uh, Giovanni Gio from Archangel, he calls them bliss attacks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can tell you in the past year, I've had more bliss attacks, that tingly feeling that, that like, oh man, I'm actually on the right path or running the right program. I get those a couple of times a day now where it might've been a year before you'd get those in some other projects that I've been up to in the last 20 years. A quick word from our premier sponsor of the Visionary Life podcast, and that is Healthy Planet. If you are a health nut like me, you're going to love that you can save money on the brands you already purchase by ordering online from Healthy Planet. They love our visionary community and want to support all of us in living our best lives. So you can shop at Healthy Planet entirely online and products will be dropped at your doorstep within just a few days. It's so easy, so convenient, and that gives you no excuse to say it's really hard to eat healthy, because it's not. So treat your body, your mind, and your business with the fuel it deserves from Healthy Planet. You can shop by department, dietary need, or even just check out the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure you're stocked up on all your favorite health goods all of the time. Use code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save on your Healthy Planet order. That's VISIONARY10 at checkout. That's incredible. I just got goosebumps even thinking about that. Um, I want to kind of rewind to that chapter in your life where you were considering starting your own thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you know it was drip drop right away or did you have to shuffle through a lot of bad ideas, a lot of uncertainty, maybe a lot of failed attempts? Like how long was that period and when did the idea really start to sink in that this was the one you wanted to build and run forward with? It's actually a fun story. I was actually in Mount Tremblant and I was, it, it was in the summer and we were hiking up Tremblant, my, myself and my son, Dexter. And uh, we had no idea how long it was and we didn't, we didn't even have water. Um, and so like I was a, as an old man struggling up that hill and, and we were sitting up there um, and it was an incredible view and it wasn't called drip drop then. It was just an idea. And Dexter started talking to me about it. And he was like, you know, it'd be really cool to do that one together. And that was it for me. Like the, that rush, the tingles, the vibe, the alignment, whatever you want to call it, um, just exploded. And so I came down from the mountain as a joke. Um, and when I came down from the mountain, I started telling everybody, Hey, we're going to go build this thing. Um, and I could tell you that there was two years there where I was really hunting for something to find that path. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of epic projects that I kind of sunk my teeth into a little bit, you know, put the, put the toe in the water and walked away from. Um, one of the big lessons I learned was that I, I didn't like the projects where we were doing it because it was probably going to make like guaranteed money. I wanted to do ones that were going to, you know, like be creative or be very innovative or like, potentially change the world. I know that sounds so cliche coming from Silicon Valley guy, but like I look really looked at those projects. Um, and I'm still working on a couple today that I still, if I looked at it from day one, it was like, wow, this could actually really change the world. Mm-hmm. And I love those ones. And all the ones that seem like just a quick buck or, you know, you liked it because of the financial metrics, they weren't fulfilling. And, you know, I've looked at over 40 probably projects in two years. Um, and then, not surprisingly now, because you can connect the dots backwards, the one that you're doing for yourself, that was the one. Mm-hmm. It was like, what's that drum beat that you've got? And for me, it was like, oh my God, I get a chance here to rethink how to help you know, kids mm-hmm. think about this stuff now in their life and not have to be 48 and go through this. Um, and you, know, you can use the internet to create like, really the first life school for kids. And that's really what we're doing with Trip Drop, if you really look under the, under the hood. I mean, that's, that's really the mission there. And I realized all those masterminds and things I'm learning at 48, if I could inject those and hand them to my kid now when he's 13, 14, yep. imagine what him and all his friends and all the other kids that we're gonna reach, what, imagine what they could go do if they don't have to wait till they're 48 to, 
to realize that, you know, they we've got programming and we've got fear and we've got, you know, that drumbeat that we're all ignoring um, as we just keep running those same programs day after day. It's funny. I don't know if you know, but I got the idea to start the Visionary Life brand while on a hike, but I was going up Machu Picchu in Peru and wow, I came okay. back down, came back down the mountain, like, and literally it was in that moment that I was like, as soon as I get home, I'm going to start this community. And I didn't know what it was, but it hit me like a ton of bricks as we were escalating the mountain. So there's definitely an actionable tip. Go hike a mountain if you're feeling confused <laughs> or lost. <laughs> it's necessary. Well, you know, you know, Kels, that's something um, I find that when I go for walks, you know, it doesn't have to be in nature because I live in the concrete jungle. Uh, but when I go for walks, it's another way like breathwork to find the downloads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? And, it, and it really, it really, really works. Uh, there's a book that I love called um, Daily Rituals by Mason Curry. And he studies like 400 of, you know, kind of literary or authors or scientists, people that have really mattered. And actually, we still remember their names, mm. you know, hundreds or, you know, or years later, um, and just looking at their daily rituals. And I think, you know, I'm probably biased because I walk all the time, but I think the number one pattern for all of them those hundreds of you know people that have really impacted the world, they all go for a daily walk to clear their head and to get those downloads. Mm -hmm. At this point, it's mind boggling to me that some people do not do that in a day. Um, mm -hmm. But it's not surprising too, because we are so disconnected from nature. We're bombarded with stay inside, watch Netflix, mm -hmm. buy this new gaming system. Um, everything yeah. is presented to us in a way that's like, you can have the most fun inside your home. And I love a good cozy home, but it's like, <sighs> there's something to be said for reconnecting with your roots, which is literally in nature and just being in the elements, the water, feeling the cold on your face, um, putting like putting your feet on dirt. And I, yeah, I don't have the science behind it, but I know for myself, it is the place that I come up with all ideas. I problem solve my business. And um, for me, it's also a way to learn because I'll pop a podcast in and it's one of the most uh, amazing things these days that you can do that multitasking of movement and, um, you know, really like learning about anything you could possibly want at the touch of a button. So yeah, I, I love that. I think that's, um, I think that's so underrated. It's, it's crazy to me that, um, you can read a book that someone's life's work. Yeah. And now through all these other mediums, like I love podcasts like you do. Um, and I listen to at least one or two a day. Yeah. And again, it's, and it's multitasking. But for me, it's like getting that knowledge download. It's literally like those scenes in the matrix where it's like, oh, I'm just going to download that new programming. <laughs> so going back to the gaming conversation, it's like, okay, as you start freeing up some of your programs, what do you want to inject in? What do you yeah. want to start running? Exactly. And so me, it's like, okay, who seems to have certain things figured out or who's further ahead on the path mm -hmm. that I can learn from? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, like podcasting is such a no brainer. Yeah. But I also think about like, okay, when I see my other friends and family that aren't on this path and it's like, where are they getting their info? And it's kind of like, for me now, it's like nutrition. Yeah. It's like, where is your knowledge nutrition coming from? Um, and I've heard a few podcasters start to talk about that, right? Where yeah. it's like, hmm, are you on a steady diet of junk food nutrition from what you're learning from? Or are you actually eating, you know, um, you know, mentally all the downloads you're getting from others, where you're getting all that information? Is it, is it positive? Is it life enforcing? Is it, you know, innovative? Um, and it's amazing to me that you can just like hop online and find incredibly intelligent, you know, forward thinking, like innovative people mm -hmm. and learn the best. And it's like, you can start downloading like that, or you can be downloading the, what's being fed from other media sources. Yep. And it's like, we're getting barraged every day. And I think if you curate it, um, you can actually get a massive advantage. And I've really started to see that compound interest start to really yeah. um, get bigger because as more people are using like, you know, these devices that we all have, right? They're coming at us fast. These algorithms are incredible. They're just going to keep feeding you mm -hmm. whatever you start with. Um, yeah. So if you actually go get fed by, um, 
you know, positivity, mm-hmm. you know, working on yourself, um, self-development things, innovative things. You can actually be on the leading edge right now. You could have the latest knowledge or you could have the junk food knowledge. Yeah. Um, and I've really noticed the more that I curate, the faster I'm learning. Yeah. Um, and faster that I'm able to adopt new programs. Like I can't believe how fast you can actually change your life um, just by how you curate where you're getting your knowledge from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the biggest uh, lessons that I learned maybe five or seven years ago, I don't know when it was, but that I could discern who I paid attention to and who mm-hmm. I cut out. And, you know, whether that was by canceling our cable subscription because I didn't need to hear the news or choosing to actually fill my email inbox with newsletters that lit me up. And like people say, oh, I hate my inbox. I hate my inbox. I'm like, I love my inbox because I get quality content from the most epic mentors for me, right? Because I went and out, out and subscribed to the people I love who have thought leadership and I unsubscribe from everybody else. So I love my inbox, my social media, like it lights me up because I'm learning. I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at what my high school friends ate for breakfast anymore because truthfully, mm-hmm. I don't care. Like I'll catch up with you over the phone, but that's not what I want to funnel into my consciousness if I am going to be spending so much time on my devices and in my inbox. So, you know, it's simple and it's free to be able to do this, to really curate exactly what info you're letting in. Because like you said, it's the compound effect. Like day after day, you may not realize how terrible the news Mm -hmm. makes you feel, but guess how that compounds over time. 10 years down the line, you are negative, you have no hope for humanity. And that's because that's exactly the narrative they are feeding you day after day. So yeah, I think that's a super important lesson. Now I want to circle back. Uh, you mentioned yeah. drip drop a few times. You mentioned mm-hmm. your hike in Tremblant with your son. What happens from there? Like you have this idea, it's a big idea. Um, and obviously you're not just going to be able to go home and type up a little website and bring this mm-hmm. to life. So Tell us about that journey coming home from Trombla and saying, like, I'm going to do this. What next? How does it go? <laughs> right. And that's um, it's been an incredible journey. And it's been like such a uh, like an eye opener for even my own personal growth um, while I'm watching it come to life. And so one of the things you have to decide is, like, what's your decision tree? How do you make decisions on how are you going to craft this company? How are you going to bring it to life? And so what I wanted to do was really focus on where am I getting those nudges, right? So when I'm getting those downloads and letting the downloads guide me more than I would have. And um, there's a great book by the author, Michael Singer. Um, Most people know his book, The Untethered Soul. Um, But for me, it was Surrender Experiment. So three years ago, I read Surrender Experiment and I put it down. I thought it sucked. (laughs) And then I revisited it um, with a different lens. And that lens was to follow the nudges, right? So that when you're getting those moments of where it feels really aligned, can you craft a company that way? Can you craft your mission where you're actually being guided by that interaction with somebody? Like you said, like earlier, you said like you're getting the goosebumps. Well, can you find those when you're actually in a meeting with somebody, when you're recruiting or you're looking for partners? Um, how does that conversation make you feel, right? Does it feel forced? Does it feel like um, it's challenging or does it feel like both people are lit up and that they can feel that, that mission. Um, and I started paying more and more attention to that as a woo woo as ridiculous as it sounds. And I'm coming from crafted Silicon Valley, like how to build a <laughs> unicorn life. Yeah. And then flipping it to, I'm going to give the nudges mm-hmm. a higher metric of evaluation, like giving them a higher multiple when I'm evaluating stuff. Yep. And so I just started doing that. Um, and it started working. And so it was unbelievable to me how many people self-selected in yeah. to help the mission, right? Like people were literally just dropping into my lap saying, oh my God, I heard what you're up to. This sounds amazing. How can I help? Um, and that pretty much happens every day right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the crazy part is, is most of my team um, came to me through me reaching out to them, talking about what I'm up to yep. and them saying, Hey, not only do I love this project, but I have to work on it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, like Sarah Wells, for example, uh, I think, you know, Sarah, yeah. right? Olympic, mm-hmm. Olympic runner. She's unbelievably incredible. And, you know, we were talking about drip drop and she bugged me every day 
for like two weeks where she's like, I need to be on your calendar. I need to be on your calendar. I want to help you. I want to help you. I want to help you. And that really kickstarted a whole bunch of things too. And it was really her seeing the mission and seeing how that could help with her and help us. Um, and that's self-selecting in. And so that's what I would encourage people when they're looking at it. It's like, you know, who's self-selecting into the mission that you're on versus who do you have to talk it into? And I can tell you, every time I've tried to talk somebody into it, it's worked out so much less than those that were so excited to be part of it. And, and that goes from all facets of the business. It's been, it's been incredible. When you connect those dots backwards and you really look at it, mm-hmm. it's like, huh, you know, all the people where it was a little more, um, you know, trying to convince, yep. uh, they're not on the mission now. Right. Or they, or they, or they came and they did a little bit and we both agreed, you know, that this wasn't, um, win-win and it's incredible. And it's like, it's very counterintuitive. Um, and it doesn't sound very much like business speak yeah. and it's hilarious to com- compare that to like, you know, startup growth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm seeing it work every day. It's interesting because uh, I work with a lot of early stage online business owners. And one of the things that's really um, hitting me right now is that they're not even clear on their mission. So they're not mm-hmm. able to gather that um, like community of people who want to partake or who want to follow or work with them. And so it sounds like for you, before you even started having these conversations with potential collaborators and partners, you were super clear on the mission of Drip Drop. Is that true? I wouldn't say it was super clear. We knew what we wanted to do. And, and that was um, to really help kids recognize that they could, you know, grow up differently and to hand them these tools that they're not getting anywhere else right now. Right. And so like, that was the big mission. And it's like, okay, if you're going to help a million families get introduced to like these mastermind level techniques that we're talking about, that we're trying to figure out in, you know, yeah. in my age, um, how would you do it? And so I think the real thing that helps with the mission is I'm always looking way further ahead and thinking about like, you know, what's the real impact that we want to make and what's that impact going to impact? So for me, it's like, if we can get out to a million families and give these kids these new techniques so that they're growing up differently and they have more self-resiliency and courage and um, understand their own programming and, you know, are, you know, defaulting uh, to a positive program earlier in life, imagine what they're going to go do. And that's what gets me excited about the mission. It's not even the impact we're making on them. It's the impact that they're going to then go make. Um, and when you start thinking bigger like that, you start thinking longer term, then you can start working backwards as to, okay, like now, how do we go do that? Mm-hmm. And what I've seen in the past, and I see it with a bunch of other companies that I, that I help is we're so worried about what to do tomorrow and we forget what the mission is. Yeah. And then you get, you get bogged down into the logistics and it's really hard to recruit people onto your mission for them to self-select in if all you're focused on is what are we doing tomorrow? And so I really noticed that when I, when we talk about, you know, the, the big mission that we're on, the how starts taking care of itself. And I would also say that most leaders, most visionary leaders, they shouldn't be the ones figuring out the full how. In fact, you probably shouldn't be figuring out the how at all, because you should be painting that picture and be really focusing on the bigger vision. Um, and letting the people that are into more of the systems thinking yeah. and the how and the techniques, let them be in their zone of genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's quite a few people that um, they shine when they've got a visionary leader leading them because they believe in the mission. And then they can be in their zone of genius. And, um, you know, I'm such a big basketball guy, but if you, if you look, like there's a secret in basketball. It's like those teams, when they come together, yep right? Everyone's got a role. Mm. And I think it's the same thing um, in business. It's like when you're on that mission, most of us as the founder or the leader or the CEO, we get so caught up in trying to do all the how when it's not actually our role. And there's people that are dying to be that for you, but they're not going to come to you if they don't believe in the mission. Such good advice. I'm curious, how do you balance 
thinking of what to do next and what you're already doing. So kind of staying in that day to day and inspiring your team versus what you call painting the picture for the next five or 10 years. So do you have any like calendar um, tricks that you implement or is it just kind of like a, I flow between today and the future just as I please? No. So the team needs structure. And so I got that from, from Alex Charfin, who I think is, uh, is amazing. And it's like, you know, the structure that we put in place with the team is to protect them from me. Because every morning when I wake up and go for a walk, I have more downloads, right? I get incredible downloads on the walk, but I also get them like every sunrise, I just get more ideas. That's not going to stop. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of people probably listening right now. It's like, you're not, the ideas don't stop. Never. They're not going to stop. And it doesn't matter if you're on an epic mission, I still get other incredible ideas. And so it's like, um, how do you not, you know, handcuff and stifle the business? Because every day you're getting more ideas about, you know, uh, creativity and where to take it. Yeah. And so we do, we do put systems in place. So I do things like a daily huddle with my team. Now we don't do it every day, but we do it most days. Yeah. Uh, and there's, and there's a lot of structure there, but the structure isn't for me. I don't even design it. They design it. Mm. Right. Because they're more systems thinkers yeah. um, and they back me up. And so I can't disrupt their version of the how. And in fact, I can only enhance it. Um, and it actually protects the business from me being visionary yeah. It allows them to to shine more. Um, and so one of the things we did is we moved the the timing of it a little later in the morning because it allows me to have that download time. It allows me to read my curated newsletters and, you know, uh, eat the healthy information in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it allows me to get out my creative outlet of like all those ideas and, you know, getting pumped up about the mission and all the things we want to go do. Um, and then we get into more of the systems. Hmm. So it's a, it's a, it's a hybrid of both. Um, but I think that the biggest thing is, um, the how is probably not you. Right. And, and the less hats you're wearing, I think the better. And when I really look and analyze so many companies, the number one loop that I see is founders that are, um, controlling too much and wearing too many of the hats that consist. It's obvious every, single time every single time Mm -hmm. have you always been good at kind of like releasing the control over the team and what they do and micromanaging is that something that just kind of comes naturally to step away and let people shine what i so yes and no um so giving up that control side is is hard because you like you have a fear that you could do it better um but once i started you know going to people with their zone of genius it's laughable how much better they are Mm mm-hmm Right. And so you'll see that. So, so even for your listeners, when that first time you bring in that other person, that's an expert at something that you're not, and you see their, their version of it. Yeah. It is laughable how much better it is. Right. And it's, so it's like a muscle. It's like, it's like training. So it's a skill to be developed. So the more I let go, the more leverage I got in a positive way. And it's something I had to learn. Um, but I, you know, I really saw it that when I gave it to someone that was in their zone of genius, it was so much better than I could ever do. Mm-hmm. And then when I come back with them and they show me what they've done and then I get to sprinkle my little piece on it, I do still get that potential to uplift. Yep. And it's, uh, it's, it's so much better that way. And when you get over that fear and you start to let it roll, then you get addicted to it. So now some days I'll have a very clear calendar and I'll be like, huh, what do I do today? Because the team has it all handled. Yeah. And it's actually a very fast, like, those days are hilarious where I'm like, huh, you've actually outsourced this enough that everyone's in their zone of genius. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, honestly, Kelsey, when I, when I talk to so many people that we know in these entrepreneur groups, like it is the number one that if we go back to the beginning of the conversation, the program, yep. number one program I see is each of the visionary leaders not letting other brilliant people help them on their mission. It's it. Like that's the number one thing. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible when you do, it's such an awakening uh, and it changes everything. Yeah. I love that you time after time have identified this in me and in our other colleagues who are in our same mastermind. And you're like, I just keep seeing this over and over. And I fully comprehend it because I really do believe in that visionary role and then the integrators and the people who are actually systems oriented, who are experts in their specific areas. 
Um, but there's just, maybe it's the programming, maybe it's the loops that I just feel like I, I'm always in that mindset of how do I do this? How do I do this? And I spend time learning and, um, you know, going through the back end of my email marketing system and controlling automations. And I'm like, aren't there people who are like full blown experts at this, who would be dying to, mm-hmm. you know, work with someone who has a vision, who needs their support, but you know, it's taking me a lot of time, more time than I care to admit to really step into that, that it's not my role to go figure out email marketing, Facebook ads, you know, like all my financial shit, like, yes, have an idea of it, but I understand to reach that next level. There's definitely something to, um, this philosophy around build the team around you who can do it way better than you ever could. So I think that's a piece of advice that you've shared um, time and time again that I really do appreciate because it's something that I'm trying to deprogram, we'll call it right now. Um, a few other things I want to, um, you know, dig into while I have you, especially because yeah. one night while we were chatting over a drink, you said that in a future life, or maybe one day you would like to offer co- more coaching, uh, towards entrepreneurs, but obviously you're quite busy with drip drop. So I figure while I have you on the podcast, I'd love to dig into a little coach's corner with you um, just Let's do it. informally right. so we can keep it rapid fire or whatever comes to mind. So first question I want to know, besides the daily walk, what are some key traits of successful entrepreneurs that you feel like you've distilled down and that you know to be true about finding success as a business owner? Uh, they build in public, and so they fail publicly. I think that's that's a big one, and that's a program that I've been trying to work on myself because um, it's not something I've been naturally excited to go do, much like the beginning of the conversations, like the podcast. My natural inclination is to not share. Um, so sharing publicly, I think um, that's a that's a big one. Mm-hmm. A lot of entrepreneurs face um, dips in motivation. I'm wondering mm. what keeps you motivated to show up every single day to work on drip drop right now? Um, I laugh at the dips. So I expect them. So instead of beating myself on, up on it, it's like mm. expect that it's going to come. And when it comes, I'm like, okay, why am I, what, what's going on today? You know, and what are the things that pull you out of it? You know, did you go for a walk? When was the last time you did meditation? Mm-hmm. Have you done a breathwork session lately? Um, what have you laughed about? Um, have you done anything creative? Mm-hmm. Right? Have you read any books? Where are you? What are you consuming? So I start looking at, okay, hey, why did this bubble up? Um, and almost all, every time there's an opportunity there, right? There's something that's like yelling at you, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's like looking, stepping into it. Um, but the first thing I do is I usually start laughing about it. And it's like, um, you know, like, hello, my old friend. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's coming. <laughs> totally. And, and the other thing I realized is, um, and, and this is so perfect for, for New Year's, right? It's like, we set up all these really challenging things. It's like, we're going to change everything overnight. Yeah. Um, and you're just setting yourself up generally, probably to um, have disappointment. And so there's two techniques that I look at. The biggest one for me is to do them more often than not. And it's something I learned from Michael Burnoff. And it's like, if you are going to just instill something new in your life, a new habit, a new you know thing, just do it more often than not. That's a real number that you can achieve, right? And then if you do it a little bit more often than not, that might only be 70 or 80% of the time, yep. but you're destroying your goal. If you set up 100%, you're only setting yourself up to be disappointed. Yep. And that's going to lead to negativity and it's going to actually have the negative effect to the thing you're actually trying to do. Mm-hmm. And the second one is the compound interest. So if you do many new little things more often than not, over time, that compound interest is is magical. And I think as just humans, we're so bad at math. um, We don't understand the power of that compound interest where it's like a little bit more every day. It's like, no, you don't have to do the walk every day. You don't have to do meditation every day. You don't have to have the perfect morning routine. But if more often than not, you got a few, few good things in there. Um, that compound interest is going to be so profound as it adds up over time. Oh yeah. I see it all the time. And the book that I gift the most is the slight edge. And it talks about just that it's, you know, showing up and and doing those small things over time. And that gives you that slight edge over everybody else in your industry. And, um, you know, it's, uh, an easy concept, but I think we all need to be reminded of it. And it's interesting going back to what you were saying about just doing, those habits more often than not. I do like Mm -hmm. that philosophy, but 
I also wonder because I know there's the Jerry Seinfeld method where when he was trying to become a famous comedian, he had the never break this, never break the chain, I think he called it. And so mm. every day he put an X through his calendar when he wrote comedy for 30 minutes. And his philosophy was that if you want to be the best in the world at something, never break the chain, especially while you're building the habit, right? Before you reach that level of success. So I think there's like two camps of thinking there. I like them more often than not, but I know there are some people who probably are like, well, that won't be enough for me to be the best um, or for, for me to reach my goals. So maybe there is like a period in developing a new habit where you should mm. try to commit to it every day and not break that chain until it becomes a, a positive program that lives within you. And then you can kind of cool it. So I don't know what the answer is to that, but uh, that's definitely it. I could tell you from my personal experience, because I'm someone that loves to avoid stuff, right? That the more often than not, um, allowed me the confidence to shatter the result. So more often than not, it's like whatever, 50 point, whatever percent, yeah. 51%. Let's, let's use that. Um, <clears throat> so for example, I took it from Tim Ferriss, but I just started making my bed a few years ago. Yep. Right. Just doing it every day. And it started with more often than not, but now it's been years where I've made it every single day. Yeah. Right. And so the more often than not gave me the skill set where it became more often and more often and more often. Now there's lots and lots of habits where I'm doing almost hundred percent compliance and I don't even yep. think about it now. Now it's just, now it's just automatic. Exactly. So it's, it's like giving you the permission to have success and not beat yourself up because if you get into that negative loop where it's like, Oh man, I didn't do such and such today. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's not serving you versus I got a little bit better today at something. Um, and that's even like, even how we think about from what we're building in drip drop. It's like, we know, if we can get the kids just a little bit more doing these things every day, yeah. over time, it's going to turn into this really, really powerful habit. And that's, that's the idea. It's like giving the skill to um, do a little bit more every day and, and take advantage of the compound interest. Hmm. I'm wondering, I think people are always curious who the coaches coaches are. So I'm, who mm -hmm. mentors you or who are you inspired by or who is a, a leader to you in this moment? So I have actual mentors and I have ones that they don't know that they are. Yeah. Um, so the actual mentors is, you know, I do a lot of stuff with Archangel. Mm -hmm. So I think geo and team and everyone involved there. Uh, it's such a powerful community yeah. and it's a beautiful community because it's, it's entrepreneurs working on themselves and then that feeds the business. Yeah. It's not entrepreneurs working on their business. And it's, um, it's incredible to me to, to see so many people that are starting to recognize that if they work on themselves, all the rest is the gravy. Um, so that, that community is really, really helpful to me. And then all the people that come from that, there's so many mentors yes. where we're all kind of mentoring each other. Um, but where I get most of my knowledge on a daily basis is going back to, you know, how are you curating where you're absorbing? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so like, I don't, I don't watch the news. I don't get stuff through, advertising platforms. I go direct to source. Yeah. Right. And so for me, I really like podcasts because I can do two things at once. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's, there's some really great ones that are out there and I highly curate that too. Um, so one of my favorite ones that I, uh, you know, we say like we gift books. So the podcast I gifted the most last year, um, was Matthew Patty, uh, who's, you know, been around in the Archangel community a little bit. He's based in Australia. Um, but his, his podcast is was incredible because it's like it's almost like a course on um, your own internal loop. Yep. So I really like that one. And I usually give that to people that are on this path and David Nagel, mm -hmm. um, who's another awesome guy around programming. So I kind of give people those two. And that's like when people say, hey, what, gift do you, what book do you gift the most? Yep. Those are the two podcasts that give people the most because it's all around mindset and it's all around that internal growth. And it's like, if you focus on those things, I think that compound interest on yourself is going to manifest in so many ways. I remember when I first joined Archangel and I was expecting it to be so like business focused and like, mm -hmm. give me the tools and tactics and then realizing it was entrepreneurs working on themselves and realizing that this is exactly what I need. It's what we all need, right? Um, I don't need another framework for how to mm -hmm. write sales copy. I think we've gotten enough of that from enough sources. Um, and I remember being like, 
oh, I see what this is and how this is actually what I needed that I didn't know I needed. So yeah, pretty cool to kind of come into the community for one reason and then have your eyes open to, oh, what this actually is. It's like the sell them what they want, give them what they need. So I think that's yeah, totally. strategic philosophy. Um, I, met, I met Gio three years ago and our conversation started with where he's like, what, you know, like, what do you want to do next? And I was like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do next. And he's like, look, I got a hundred people you need to meet. Can you fly to San Diego in a couple of days and come meet all these amazing entrepreneurs? And it was the first time, cause I, you know, I'd spent so much time in Silicon Valley and building startup world and that's kind of growth at all costs. Um, it was the first time that I met other people consciously building up businesses and it wasn't growth at all costs. It was growth. Yeah, absolutely. But it wasn't, you know, at all costs. It's that second part of that phrase. Um, and it's something I've really embraced. It's like, can you build an amazing mission and impact a lot of people without blowing up your own life in the process? Mm -hmm. So important. Besides the lack of team building and seeking out the who, what do you think is holding most entrepreneurs back? Um, cost first investment. So most entrepreneurs that I meet up with, they're so worried about the cost and they even treat bringing in people in their zone of genius as a cost and it's not it's an investment and it's an investment in leverage so i'll give you an example like you can easily just google it but if you look at like apple or facebook or some of the top companies in the world they actually track how much revenue and profit they get per employee and so it's it's a way to think about it so it's an investment you know they they pay at the top of the market but they know that they're going to get through leverage and you know uh, multiple value of stacking all these brilliant people together, that there's going to be way more value than the actual cost. So it truly is an investment. Mm. And what I see time and time again with most entrepreneurs is they get lost in the cost and they don't look at it as an investment. And so if you invest in other people to help your mission, yeah. um, you're going to get that back many, many times over. Plus, we always forget to add the part of the stuff you're not working on frees you up to be in your zone of genius. And so it's actually a no brainer investment. Yeah. And most of us look at it as a fearful cost. And that's the number one thing that I see. It's mm -hmm. like when you look at, even if you use Archangel, for example, the difference between seeing the entrepreneurs that are starting out and those that are on the council, the difference is um, leverage and help yeah. and investing, investing in their companies, investing in their mission. That's it. It's not a cost center, it's an investment center. Love that. So before we let you go, do you want to tell us about Drip Drop, how we can support it, when we can expect to yes. get on the app? Um, give us the, the full spiel. Okay. So the funny part is, is when, can, when can we expect? I always say it's coming out in two weeks and I've been saying that for like months. Um, <laughs> so, you know, software is a wonderful thing, mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's pretty amazing what we're up to. So here, here's what I figured out with my own son. It's like he lives completely online now. Um, and you can be upset about that. You can be frustrated about it and you can be annoyed by it. Yeah. Um, but look, we're all living online. We're doing this on yep. Zoom, right? And so what I realized is like, I need to embrace the worlds he's living in because those worlds have been designed to be more alluring than anything I can introduce into offline. Mm -hmm. And the minute that I embraced that, I started realizing, huh, the things that he loves on there are so important to him yep. that there's leverage that I can get there. And I started realizing, like, there's so many things I want to introduce them to, like what we're doing here, you know, mastermind, podcast, all these new habits. And I realized I could trade him for the things I wanted him to upgrade his life with, for the things that he wanted to upgrade his life with. And these systems online, they're designed to keep us coming to them. Yeah. And so if you think Instagram and Facebook and TikTok are addictive, Imagine being a kid where all your friends are inside a video game playing together. You're laughing. You're having fun. They've got these currencies. You're doing trades. Like, it's so alluring. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's fascinating to me just how strong these platforms are. But what I realized is instead of fighting it, we can actually use it. And so what we do is we trade the kids for more of what they want mm -hmm. to get more of what we want them to do. Um, and so it's been, it's been amazing because I've watched – Dexter start to do breath work. I watched him, you know, start doing TRX workouts without me having to ask him. 
Um, and he does lots and lots of meditation. And that's what started off. So now we've got a 14-year-old that, yeah, does he game a lot? And <laughs> does he love it? Yes, he does. But he's super happy about that. Mm-hmm. But I'm super happy about that, you know, he's got these new skills. And so what we've created is a platform where all families can start making these epic trades. And then what we realized is, okay, now that we have the kids' attention again, what do we want to teach them? So it's like going back to the beginning of conversation. When you break somebody's loop, what is the new program you want them to run? Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized I need some world-class experts to, you know, offer up new programming for these kids. So we've gone out through our Archangel community and others around the world, and now we're collecting these master, you know, level talent like yourself that are teaching um, the kids some of these epic lessons. And so that as by part of doing one of those lessons, they can actually earn the things that they want. And so the parents are happy, the kids are happy. And it's amazing when you actually have a win-win trade, mm-hmm. not I win, you lose. Um, it's amazing the magic that happens when you actually have win-win. And the kids light up. They feel like they're gaming the parents. Yeah. And then as a parent, I feel like I'm gaming him because I totally got him to do meditation now. And he's super happy. Yeah. It's cool because you are speaking to this generation in a language they understand. It's like, yeah, yeah. yelling at him, saying, like, you've already hit two hours on your PS4 or whatever the kids are gaming on these days. Yeah, that, that could yeah. be one language of trying to communicate a point. Your language mm-hmm. is trades. And, okay, well, you want to do that? Then do something that I think you should be doing too. And I love, love, love that um, you've recognized that it is important to make sure that uh, you speak to them in a way that they understand and that motivates them. Uh, we live in a... It totally motivates Yeah, them. we live in this gamified world, and I think it's so cool and uh, extremely innovative what you guys have created. Everything down to your branding and the avatars that you have on the website and on social media and on your sweater there. Um, everything yeah. is very eye-catching and captivating and it it totally draws me in anytime I see something that you guys create. So I am so pumped to see the launch and to become a client, even though I don't have kids, I don't need to trade anything, but I think my husband, <laughs> he could probably be gamified a little bit to get offline too. So um, yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. You know, And you know what's amazing there is that you know, all that design and, you know, kind of how it works and all that stuff is like, that's not stuff I figured out. So going back to, you know, what we were talking about, it's like I brought in other people that were so excited about the mission. And when you start stacking this together, um, this is what, this is what comes out. And the other thing is, you know who we ask the most, what do they want? The kids. Yeah. And it's, you know, like that's another tip that's so obvious. It's so cliche, but it's like how many of us are trying to build something right now and we've actually forgot to ask the customer what they want. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So awesome. You have packed this episode with so many takeaways and so many things to think about. Um, I will link everything in the show notes from the books you recommended to everything drip drop. So we really appreciate your time and wish you all the success in the launch and cannot wait to see drip drop in action and to spread it all around the world with you. So congratulations on everything. And thank you for sharing your time today. Thank you. It's been amazing. And you're amazing. Jason Brown, everybody, somebody who always drops a lot of wisdom, so much insight with such a big sky mindset, yet a grounded energy. Every time I get a chance to talk to him, I leave feeling inspired and I'm always learning new things from Jason. He's a lot further down the entrepreneurial path than I am and maybe than you are. The thing is, though, he comes to this conversation with such a willingness to share and to teach what he has learned in order to help all of us accelerate our journeys as entrepreneurs. So some key takeaways that I wanted to double tap on. So the first one is getting into your body is a strategy. That's what I titled this episode, whether it's by doing mushrooms, breath work, meditation, or long walks, whatever you need to do to stop suppressing your emotions and feelings so that you can truly connect with what your mind and your body are saying is going to be so advantageous for your personal and professional growth. So get into your body. It's often overlooked 
in this hustle culture we live in, but it's something that Jason deeply believes in. Second, I mentioned this at the beginning, is to go hike a mountain. In the mountainous terrain of Quebec is where he solidified the idea for Drip Drop, likely because he was out in Mother Nature, away from all distraction. And I think there's something to be said for just getting out of the four walls of our office, especially if you're feeling stuck or stagnant, or you just feel like you're not getting that fresh perspective or the those new creative ideas that you're seeking. So if you need more of that in your life, be sure to schedule in a trip to the mountains. And finally, the other thing I wanted to tap on was to become more conscious of your default programming and recognizing which ones are serving you and which ones no longer do. Over the course of our lives, I think we're almost all blind to the fact that we download other people's programs into our minds, and then we run these programs like they're our own. So think about that. We're downloading other people's programs from the day we are born, and then we run these programs like they're our own, like it's what we want. And Jason talks a lot about removing the programs that aren't fully serving you anymore. And then asking yourself, which ones do you want to replace them with? We are in control, right? So asking, who do you want to be? What do you want to stand for? Who do you want to become? And then downloading new programs to do just that. So again, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Jason Brown. And if you do want to connect with him, again, it's dripdrop.gg, or you can find him on Twitter or on Clubhouse at the Jason Brown. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method Business Coaching Experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.